Hey, Dave, how are you doing? It's good to be Very back. Good. Very good, thanks, Adam. How are you doing? I am great. I'm in Denmark today, enjoying the the weather, and you are? I'm back in Amsterdam after after some time in the UK and plenty of quarantining. I'm, I'm now back in Amsterdam and not going anywhere for a while. That, oh, that's great. Hey, listen, you, you're also, you live in Amsterdam. I live in Amsterdam. Do you have any problems with mice in your house? My current house, touch wood, no, but my previous house, they were everywhere. Yeah, I know the feeling. It's the same in our house, or I should say it was the same in our house, because we we bought this pest control as a service. I was really interested to see that recently. Actually, we phoned up the company who we're talking to today, Rent-A-Kill Initial, and uh, because hey, there's also a client of customer gauge, so we got them in, and I was really delighted when the when the chap said, "Hey, we also offer this as a service." So I was really interested to see that the pest control business has gone into subscription, even for domestic houses. So, yeah. Now, what I'd hope we can do is I hope we can talk to our guest about that because I'm guessing their business is shifting in the same way that well, we're software as a service. I'm really interested to learn about that. Um, so yeah, this is, uh, this is Randolph Carter, who we've known for some time, Dave, haven't we? And Randolph is the regional marketing director of Rent-A-Kill Initial Europe. I'm really excited to hear him talk about uh, the company and what he does. So without further ado, let's welcome our guest onto today's show. Hi, Randolph, how are you doing? Hey, I'm very good, Adam and Dave. How are you guys? Good afternoon. Good, thank you. Yeah. And and hey, mice free at home for three months. Thanks to your guys. I'm delighted to hear it. Hey, so Randolph, why you, just uh, perhaps you can just introduce yourself. Tell us what you do at rent to kill and what the company does. Absolutely. So um, I am the marketing director for Europe for Rent-A-Kill Initial. Uh, in that role, I look after not only marketing, but sales as well as our customer experience um, function. If you were at the regional level, helping set the strategy for the different countries and for the region and helping them implement uh, key projects as we go forward. And uh, yeah, that's me a bit, I guess. I've been in the company for 15 years. Um, worked in the US as the marketing director in the UK um, in our central marketing function kind of moved around a bit which is keeps me on my toes and keeps me lively and uh, before that I worked for companies like BP and and for those of you of a certain age will remember a company called ICI yes I, I started my career yeah that's great and and we spoke a little bit about what Rent-A-Kill does well getting rid of mice in people's houses i'm pretty certain there's a wider remit than that what else does the company do perhaps you can give us a you know a handle on its services yeah i mean rent kill initial uh, is a FTSE 100 company that's at present in about well over 80 countries globally uh, so who would have thought pest control is needed all around the world but uh, <laughs> The good news is, as uh, as we go through these troubling times, as one of my bosses said, uh, rats don't read newspapers. So there's always a need <laughs> for, uh, for pest control. Um, yeah, so what do we do? Gosh, apart from pest control, which is a big part of our business, um, the major part of our business, we then have our, our initial brand through which we offer washroom services um, as well as general general uh, hygiene services looking these days at air purification and air management as well as making sure the washrooms we don't do cleaning but we provide soaps and dispensers and things like that as as well as then a whole host of 
uh, other services such as in what we call interior landscaping, so indoor plants and looking after those, textiles, um, dental waste management. It, it's a fascinating world. <laughs> but very essential. I mean, you joke about it, but hey, it's really... It's, 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 it's all the stuff that sits in the background that people don't want to think about, frankly, but it's what we spend our life thinking about. Well, I think it's a really good segue into it. I mean, people don't want to think about it. I mean, one of the things that you've taken a journey, the company as a, as a journey on has been customer experience. So how does a company that sits in the background really think about customer experience? Well, that's a really good, it's a really good question. Uh, we started our journey out from a customer experience point of view, really thinking about the net promoter score. And so we started to measure that probably 14 years ago now, uh, it was first introduced to Rent-A-Kill Initial. Uh, and you know, for years, still is in many parts of the country, uh, company, we've been doing it through telephone surveys. Um, and now, uh, just in the last two years, since we've engaged with you guys, we've moved in our region from telephone to, uh, to using digital methodology to, to capture the NPS score on a quarterly basis. Um, and that's actually really helped us the insights we get from it has really helped us to focus much more and refine much more tightly uh, what we want our customer journey to look like to the extent now where it's providing real value in terms of defining a very big strategic project we've got going on in our, in our region to improve the customer journey and the customer experience. How's that kind of changed in terms of going from, you know, once or twice a year phone surveys into kind of a lot more often email surveys. What kind of extra insights are you getting? Are people more honest? Are you just getting cleaner, more easier data to understand? What's what's the kind of difference you're seeing there? So I think not only the change, but also the benefit of what this change, of the change for us is really around the depth of the data, uh, by which I mean, we're able to talk to more people. Uh, we're able to ask them, a, a few more questions in probably the same amount of time it would have taken to complete the call, if not less. Mm -hmm. And as a result of all that, we've just got more data, more insights that we can slice and dice and, and look at from different, different angles to really help us understand what are the drivers of satisfaction and clearly what are the drivers of dissatisfaction um, of, of all those um, detractors from the process. Sure. Is it faster to get the feedback, Randolph, when you have from between the two systems, from the phone system or the digital system? Did, was there, a, you know, did, did the uh, did that was that a faster way for you to get the feedback? Yeah, oh, depending on which level you look at it. Yes, I mean the overall process in terms of right. Yeah, here's the list of people you want to call. Let's call them and get the feedback. Overall, I think not that different because there are different challenges yeah. for us certainly as an organization Dave will know this because he's been working with us to do it in terms of getting the emails in place cleaning them up and all the kind of data management piece that has to be done beforehand but yeah. but in terms of getting the output and speed to insight if you will from uh, the point of contact with customers much quicker it's a live system we can see it you know I look at it when we're in the middle of a wave you can see it day-to-day -day changing and see how things are emerging so yeah yeah in that sense it's I'd say it's a much more agile um, in terms of uh, the output that we get from analysis 
Yeah. So in terms of, and you make a good point there as well, like saying someone like in your position and, and, and similar people to you, you're able to just log in at any time. Were people in, in the higher levels of the organization regularly viewing the data or was it a quarterly report that they'd receive when everything had been aggregated and, and analyzed at the end before? I think for us in most and many of our markets, it was, to be honest with you, a number. Uh, at the end of the quarter, we'd get our, what we call our customer voice counts number, which is essentially the NPS. Um, and, you know, countries would look at it. Now, that's not fair. Some of our countries clearly spent a lot of time looking at it at a senior management level. Um, we did also involve, uh, through our branch system, branch managers were asked to look at it. Uh, on a regular basis to deal with detractors as they came through. But that happened, you know, it was once a quarter and it just, there we go, it all came through in that one week period um, that people would engage with the process in any way, shape or form. And outside of that, it was uh, pretty quiet. It was like, okay, oh, look, right, now we've got our number again. I'll look at it for the next two or three days. That's what I'm interested about, Brandoff, is that, you know, we see this in many organizations, they go through a culture change, you know, as the, as the, as the information is more, I don't know, democratized throughout the business. How did you handle that in your organization? Was it, was it difficult or was it very easy to, to do that? Um, in terms of making the information more available, it, it takes time. It's a definite cultural change. Yes. It's, a, it's a shift in mental attitude. And we've worked through, uh, we have customer experience leaders in each, in each country, in each market, uh, and we've worked very closely with them to ensure that they understand the full process. They're fully engaged in it. They own it from their country point of view, but also working with them to train them on, you know, here's the data. This is what it means. This is how you can use it. Uh, you know, shifting away from, can you give us a report, please, in PowerPoint to, I could, but it's much better if you just go into the system and, you know, you can add your filters and slice and dice and, you know, start digging. So you start to find uh, the impact that you need. So there's been a fair amount of, I would say, um, guidance and support for the countries uh, to get them away from, OK, I've got my number through to how do I get the insights myself that I can I can use in my business. Does that also go into you know how you're how you're rewarding the countries or or even comparing them to each other? I, I think you know you said at the start that you do a, a very wide array of things from you know from from catching mice to to replacing soap dispensers, all with different amounts of contact with the customer. Right? Um, how do you kind of take the data or the insights from from one particular country in one particular you know industry and then compare them to the others and, and use them all to to improve at the same time that's a good question i've got a view that says and and i don't know if i'm right you'll tell me at some point if i'm right dave i'm sure as we go through this but um no so i've got a view that says nps in germany for pest control really we shouldn't try to compare to NPS in the Netherlands because the cultures are different, the starting points are different, the organizations are different. And so clearly what we what we do do then we say, right, let's look at them as standalone results. Let's look at them as standalone insights for that country. Because at the end of the day, what really matters for me is how do you use the information from CVC, NPS, this, this process to improve the customer experience for that business in that country. Yeah. Um, and, and that's that's you know where the rubber hits the road, if you will. Um, 
And so I'm not, we do compare, but, you know, we can see, we clearly have visibility of results across all the different countries. But, you know, funny story. I remember this when we first introduced NPS into the organization, my Dutch colleague stood up after three months and said, hmm, because their results weren't great. They were, they're quite low. And it was like, why are your results so low? They said, well, you have to understand the Dutch, that, you know, the Dutch culture is very different, you know, because you have to understand that 10 is for God, nine is for teachers, and eight is as good as you're ever going to get. So we're never going to have the promoters, and we're only going to get passive and detractors. And that's a deep, you know, you need to understand the Dutch in order to understand the score. You can't compare that to an American score where they'll go, yeah, everything's great, man. You know, we're not, or the British who aren't going to be rude or, you know, so it, it, different cultures make, make a big difference. So I, I, your, the fundamental premise of your question is how do you compare across countries? Um, I don't think we do. We, we shouldn't. Having said that, what the data now does allow us to do is take a, a, all of the, the information and put it and go, right, pest control across Europe looks like this. Pest control across Europe, not pest control, hygiene looks like this. What are the core drivers sure. generally? What are the, the key themes? And they do they do match up, probably. Yeah, we call that the Dutch effect. And uh, if you but if you speak to any culture in Europe, they all have the same thing. And uh, there's always some reason why we why there's no possibility of ever giving the high score or the the scale in Germany is on five points. So we, so we we we're quite uh, well aware of that. But you're absolutely right. You've got to do each country and look at the differences, the delta and improvement seems to really work. Uh, but actually, on that note, I, I, again, I just want to talk about the fantastic service we got from Rentakill. Um, and you should use that as a, as, a, as a very small example because the, the guy that came in knew all about the Net Promoter Program, but he did not try to push it down our throats. He said, at the end, you get a survey, please ask honestly. And uh, yeah, sure enough, after, this, after, this, after a couple of months, we actually got a survey through one of ours and we were able to answer that. So he, he, was, he was very warm and, 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 and of course we gave him a 10, so. Well done. I hope you named him as well. Uh, you know, that's, a, that's what they get incentivized on. If you get a 10 with your name in it, that's, that's so, the jackpot. So there you go. He got a 10. It tends to exist in Holland. This one came from a yeah, 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 but you're not Dutch. <laughs> oh, yeah. it's, only, it's only from us immigrants, Adam. I think my missus gave him a 10, actually. So there you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, it, that, that point about talking to, to customers is, is critical in this process, you know, because it's engagement with human beings that really makes the difference in a service. Uh, you know, our brand is our people uh, at the end of the day. It's not, we don't have a bottle of Coke that we're selling or a pen or anything physical. What we're selling is a human being turning up and going into a business's premises primarily, but also residential premises and going and doing something and doing hopefully something that people appreciate. And, but he needs to do it properly. And so getting our people to talk to customers is really important. And just as um, one of the things that's made a difference to us just recently is we had a one country which was really suffering, did, had really bad scores and were not getting any better. Um, and they decided to really put a focus on getting their 
their sales, their service people to talk to customers, to explain to them, look, this is what we do for you um, because it's so in the background, not everybody knew. And exactly as you've just said, Adam, we are going to, you know, you're going to get a survey at some point and it's for these services and what I'm doing today, just tell the truth. Um, and as a result of spending two or three months just getting them to talk about it every time they see a customer, when the survey came through, it really helped push the scores. I mean, you know, night and day, night and day. Yeah, I think that that's always a, a delicate balance, isn't it? When we, whenever we speak to customers and say, make sure you're throughout the organisation, you're making your customers aware that a survey is coming, um, but also resist the temptation to say. Make sure it's a nice score, or, or give 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 us a ten. It's my birthday tomorrow, or something like that. So it's it's a really good good balance to try and strike. Then, um, when when the scores do come back, is the person that went to visit getting a notification about that? Is that the the account manager's responsibility? Who's kind of in in control of actually closing the loop with that customer? We leave that at the branch level uh, at this point. So the branch manager historically uh, is the person who within 24 hours, 48 hours is responsible for making the first contact for any detractors um, to, to follow up and understand, you know, in more depth what it is that they're concerned about and see what we can do to put it right. And then, um, you know, to work with their local branch team to explain the branch results and how they're doing, etc. I mean, my, my goal, my my, my absolute ambition is to be able to get, if I can do, to a, a an MPS CVC score by technician. So, you know, to get enough feedback for an individual to go, this is your individual score uh, and this is how you're doing. And um, yeah, I'd love to get to that point. Randolph, you've got a fantastic marketing background and as you say about sales excellence, when you think about the information that you're getting on customer experience do you think about how you can use that to give rent a killer competitive edge i'm wondering about how what your thoughts on that are good question adam and yes I, you know we we are using this data very clearly and let me give an example in one particular area and that is around customer retention so as you point out at the beginning we're a portfolio business we're a contract business at the heart of what we do in b2b and so keeping customers happy with the service they're getting is incredibly important to us. And, and customer retention is one of our key measures of success as a business. And what the insight that we've got now through our CVC process is allowing us to identify is where we're weak. And, and it's interesting because where we're weak is in specifically and pretty generally across many of our countries, account management. So, you know, account management, is it easy to get a hold of us? Do they see enough of our salespeople? These are things that are coming out of the feedback that we're going, okay, that's very actionable. Uh, we, need to, we need to sit down and work out how do we drive better account management? How do we maybe put in place more inside salespeople to do account management over the phone rather than trying to ask our, our sales guys to visit all of these customers? Because we have tens of thousands of customers and we just can't get around them all in a year uh, overall. So, you know, what we're getting is really actionable insight that helps in different points of the customer journey. And that's just one example. Yeah, I see um, quite often companies are now publishing net promoter scores in their uh, quarterly results, certainly to Wall Street, maybe not so much on the um, 
London Stock Exchange. But I also see this coming in, and, and again, I wondered if that was uh, if that was some of the direction that you were going in to to start publishing the results, or do you just very much internally at the moment? Uh, absolutely not. Um, as, as a group, Rentical Initial globally are starting. I think certainly for the last year, if not the last two years, has been publishing this as part of their annual report. So it is um, data that we put out there now, I think every quarter, uh, globally uh, by, by business sector, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And um, it's more than that, it's starting to form part of the long-term um, bonus program for senior executives as well. So it's becoming more and more embedded into, into the way we do our business, the way we report our business for our shareholders and stakeholders, uh, as well as, we run the business, as how we run the business. Yeah, congratulations on that. I think that really shows a commitment to quality of customer service. And uh, I think that also shows a maturity of the organization. So I really love to see that when we when we when we see the companies publishing this. So Randolph, I, th- I think we've been working together for two and a half years now, maybe one and a half years, um, in terms of what we've, you know, working on, the, the, you know, the overall CVC program and stuff. Is there any, you know, great strides you've made or, or, or things that you would do differently, you know, going in uh, now that you've been, you know, running with it for, for such a long time? Yeah, I, listen, I think, I think the great strides, if you're, what's really worked for us, I think I've mentioned them already, is, is two things I'd probably highlight. One is, you know, it, this program has given us tremendous insights that is allowing us to drive a, a really big strategic CX improvement program. Um, because we're now confident that what we're doing is based on true customer feedback and it's not just us making things up. Um, so that's one of them. And I think the second one that's allied to that is the, the shift from a score, a number once a quarter, uh, you know, at the end of the year, whatever it might be, to being something that's much more becoming, not there yet, but becoming more embedded yeah. and a true driver of, of improvement overall. So I think I think those are things that have, that have uh, you know, really made an impact in our business I think in terms of just quickly maybe other learnings I think you touched on that as well um, you know it's not you, you've got to make sure your data is good you've got to make sure you're, you're collecting accurate emails that's obviously really fundamental to what we're doing that's been a bit of a journey for us uh, we send out 85,000 surveys a quarter across 13 countries and 20 or so businesses. So the scale of this is, is really large. And that, that has an impact operationally on our businesses in terms of closing the loop uh, with the detractors. And, and we have found that our branch managers will become just overwhelmed with the number of calls they had to make. So, you know, what we've learned through that is it's a good idea to stagger uh, your surveys over an extended period so that people can manage that process much, much better. Um, and in terms of, terms of, I think you asked what, what could be improved, perhaps. I, I think there are, t- again, two areas here in terms of things that we can do better. One is drive higher response rates. And we're learning all the time about how to do that in the attention to detail and that is required to, to, to really drive those numbers up because clearly um, that gives us even more data to work with, but it also means we've got a more efficient program overall. Uh, and then secondly, I think, you know, as part of this change in culture, we need to keep going and circulate the results more widely, make them more available deeper down into the organization so that 
uh, it's not just branch managers and management who see it. it ultimately, we want to get to the point where uh, any colleague can see their own results. Yeah, great. So I think that, that full transparency across the, the entire organization really, really helps you get that, that buy-in throughout, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. All good learnings there. Finally, Randolph, any tips you would pass on to somebody who wants to go into a more digital type of feedback like you have? Um, one, I just do it. Um, if you're not doing digital feedback, um, I do it for lots of uh, lots of the reasons I think I talked about. I, I think um, otherwise, these are very personal tips, is don't give up. This isn't necessarily easy. Um, but it is absolutely worth doing. So, you know, whatever the hurdles are, expect the hurdles and, and work through them. Um, so persistence is important. And I think the other piece is, and this is true for any kind of major change in these kind of programs, make sure you've got senior management on board, make sure they understand the true value of what you're doing and that they can see the results. They can understand how they can change their business to improve hard metrics like, customer retention or you know gross sales or whatever it might be try and make sure what this does this program does or your program does links to you know what your operators are thinking about because then it becomes relevant to them fantastic randolph carter thank you so much for joining us on the account experience podcast today and we wish you all the success in the continuation of your program thanks very much from dave and myself thanks guys thanks dave thanks adam good to be with you here's randolph It's great to hear from Randolph. Really fascinating. I think, yeah, having worked with them pretty closely for the past 18 months, you know, you see the, the kind of journey that they've been going through and how that's affecting the wider organization and, and how much use they get out of it. It's, it's really great for us to see. Such a nice organization to work with. I think there's, there's something about the, the commitment that they have to service really goes through the whole organization. I was really surprised to hear that they were doing nearly 400,000 um, surveys a year. I didn't realize they got, they got to so big enough. And that's just in the European region. That's, that's really gives, gives you a scale of how large they are. Uh, anything from Randolph's uh, talk that particularly, uh, you know, hit, uh, lit up for you? I think there's there's a couple of things at the end, which, you know, as, as I said, you know, we, we, we see quite a lot when people think that, you know, getting a high response rate and getting all the insights from your accounts is going to be an easy job that you can do in a small bubble in your organization. You know, it's, it, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, and you're going to need support throughout the entire organization to do it. So I think making sure people are ready for that is, is really going to be key to, to the success of any program. Yeah, but really that culture change is the key thing. Once that's embedded and it works throughout the organization, that's when you start doing it. And I think Randolph has really made a great big impact on that. As I said, from my personal experience, uh, my pest control guy, <laughs> my mouse killer. And you're, still that, my, you're still mouse free. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that says something in that. Okay, Dave, until the next one, thanks very much for being on the Account Experience Podcast with me today.